Woody Womack joined by Mike Farrell for the latest edition of our weekly podcast uh, that doesn't have a name, but you're listening to it somewhere or watching on YouTube. Mike, how's it going? Uh, good. We should call it, but um, what's it? We need alliteration, like fat guys. <laughs> but there's no good word. Yeah, I don't know. If you have an idea for a name for what you want to call it, I've just been calling it Feral Pod. I haven't even put my name in it. That's how. That's what kind of person I am. I'm so humble. How about um, Chubby Chatter? Yeah, Chubby Chatter is pretty good. It doesn't have a lot of SEO value, but... Uh, no, okay. no, but it's still fun. All right, let's jump into it. Let's talk first about last week's games uh, right away. Alabama, uh, I wouldn't say dominated Georgia, but sort of put, put them away uh, effectively there in the second half. Uh, what was your biggest takeaways uh, from the game? Um, how good those receivers are how good Najee Harris is, um, you know, Mac Brown, Mac Jones is obviously, you know, a very serviceable quarterback and he's a Heisman candidate. Um, it's just so much fun to, to have guys like that. You know, the way, the way Waddle can just make a, a short play into a, into a long play, the way Devonta Smith just fights for the football and um, the way Najee's just a, a weapon in the passing game and in, in the running game. Um, and this game got out of hand when, when you know, Stetson Bennett played like, you know, a two-star walk-on. I mean, that's for Georgia to be the number three team in the country to have this as their quarterback situation is, you know, Georgia fans get upset because it's, it's an indictment of Kirby Smart in some way, shape, or form, <clears throat> you know. This would not happen under Nick Saban. This would not happen under Urban Meyer. Um, and if it did, you know, when, Ur when Nick Saban had to start Jalen Hurts, you know, they would be four-star kids out of high school and he would work the offense around them. But, you know, he started to play like a two-star <clears throat> and he made a couple key mistakes and you can't do that against this Alabama offense. Um, and I thought the Alabama defense was fair. Not great, but that offense, if you just turn the ball over, you're dead. They're just so explosive. So do you think, okay, to, to further touch on uh, Stetson Bennett and Georgia, do you, I mean, everyone's penciling in a rematch here in the SEC title game. And I think Georgia would have to lose twice for that not to happen. And like Florida or somebody would have to win out. Um, but I mean, do you think Georgia's ceiling is limited because of Bennett? I mean, obviously he made, he made some plays, especially early, but like you said, I mean, he struggled. So, so would you say they do have a limited ceiling because of him uh, at quarterback? Yeah. People forget Mac Jones was a four-star, you know, I mean, they just think he's some sort of scrub that they took. Uh, I read an article that said he was very unheralded. Uh, did you, did you see that? I didn't. I missed it. Oh, you missed. I went on a Twitter rampage about it. <laughs> I mean, Bryce Young obviously is a five-star kid and got a lot of hype and I thought he would take over the reins of the offense, but Mac has done nothing to, to even allow any sort of uh, question regarding his abilities and leadership. But, you know, he's a four-star kid, you know, he's been groomed in the system. Um, when you look at Alabama, I mean, when you look at Georgia, uh, JT Daniels is clearly not ready physically or else I think he would have, he would have played by now. Um, and he might play soon. Uh, that, that's a five-star transfer that kind of fell into that one. Um, but these teams that are high, you know, highly ranked in the country, like like Notre Dame with Ian Book, that don't have very good quarterbacks, doesn't matter how good your defense is, 
you're just not going to be able to beat teams like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State with those guys. So, you know, what did Kirby do wrong? Nothing, I guess. I mean, Eason, Jacob Eason started as a freshman, got hurt. Five-star Jake Fromm took over, was serviceable, led him to a national championship game, SEC title games, didn't stay for his extra year. Um, but, you know, Justin Fields was an afterthought, kind of a gimmick type of guy that they put in as a freshman, didn't give him any reps that he really liked. He leaves, you're left with Fromm. And then after that, it just turns into a disaster. I mean, you rely on transfer quarterbacks in a COVID year and you're, you're in trouble. And that's how you get Stetson Bennett as your starter. Um, not a bad quarterback, but not a quarterback that's going to lead you to a national title. So I guess some of the blame has to go on Kirby, but people will ask me, well, what should he have done? And in hindsight, you can't really kick Fromm out of the nest or fields, or can you? Well, okay, so that's what I want to talk about. So you look at us, you look at like, okay, Clemson and Davos Sweeney, uh, Kelly Bryant led them to the playoff after Deshaun Watson left that whole season. The next year he came in, he was the starter. And after three or four games, uh, Dabo said, look, we got to go with Trevor. Like he gives us ultimately the best chance to win. Kelly, you've been here for, I mean, Kelly Bryant was a four-year guy. It wasn't like he, you know, it was a sophomore against a freshman uh, and he had to get rid of him. And guess what? It worked out well. And we've seen some other, guys have to make the tough decision. I mean, wasn't it, it was Urban Meyer when they moved Braxton Miller to wide receiver that last year, right? It was a similar decision where you had to say, look, thanks for everything you've done. Here's your watch (laughs) and have, and it's, it's tough. I I remember the argument. It's like, how do you bench from, he was one play away from winning the national championship. But I mean, if they, they had Justin Fields at quarterback, uh, you know, you can make the argument that Georgia would already won one or would be the favorite to win one this year by far. So, yeah, I mean, people say you can't have too many quarterbacks. You can have too many quarterbacks. You just got to manage it properly. I mean, because you got to remember that that Trevor Lawrence not only led to the departure of Kelly Bryant, but Hunter Johnson, who's been a massive bust, but he was a five star talent. You know, Ch- Chase Bryce, four star talent now at Duke. You know, they were recruiting at a high level at quarterback at Clemson and they just handled it right because they saw what they had in Trevor Lawrence and Georgia didn't see what they had in Justin Fields and he got impatient and took off. So, you know, again, I don't know. What would I have done? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) Fromm did lead you to a national championship. Um, I guess you got to feel the locker room and see what they, you know, they, they loved Fromm, I guess, and, and rallied behind them and all that stuff. But, but if I'm sensing that the number two quarterback in the country who is just behind Trevor Lawrence and talent is unhappy, I'm, I'm making them happy. I'm letting them play. I'm getting them in there much, much more than just, you know, tuck and run or a fake punt. Um, you know, you have to do something. And that's what I'm curious about Alabama with Bryce Young, because that's what I thought would happen here is that Mac would struggle in one game and then Bryce Young would come in and then Nick Saban wouldn't make the same mistake. But Mac hasn't struggled. Uh, Alabama looks good and it's clear this year I think there's three teams and I don't know who the fourth team in the playoff would be but whoever it is is going to get waxed Uh, all right so do you expect these two to rematch then in the SEC title game I do I do Um, I you know I don't think Florida can fix that defense 
um, at least not to the point they need to. I think the Georgia defense keeps them in football games. Um, the running game, the offensive line uh, controls the clock. They can play power football. Um, they just need to solve the quarterback question. If they do go, you know, back to the SEC championship game against Alabama, they're going to get waxed again if they don't fix the quarterback situation. That's the key. All right, moving on. Uh, Tennessee, uh, boy, we're back on this topic. I, I wanted to dig up some of your, because I remember last year you had, you were ready to fire Pruitt in like week three. And then by the end of the season, you changed your mind. I'm always flopping around, man. Right, which I love to, to bring up to you, at least privately. Now I can do it on a podcast. It makes it more fun. But uh, they just got killed by Kentucky. And I mean, it was a situation where, the, especially look at the stats. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that lopsided, but the, the Jared Garantano throws uh, two pick sixes in the second quarter, and then it was just downhill from there. I mean, it was seventeen to seven at half, and you're like, okay, you know, it's seventeen to seven, but they scored on two pick sixes. Kentucky's not doing much, and then next thing you know, you look up and it's thirty four to seven, and they Tennessee played three different quarterbacks in the game, and. Then today, or I guess last night, the news comes out that they fired their defensive line coach, which, you know, I don't even know if the defensive line was the defense at all was really the issue. Uh, what's your take on another another Vols uh, in the news situation? Yeah, this, was, this wasn't good because obviously it's the first time Kentucky's won at Tennessee in 100 billion years, and that's never a good look. Um, you can't overcome two pick sixes, I don't believe, uh, you know, when we were scouting and evaluating Garantano, you know, all the Vols fans thought he should be a five-star. And I saw him against IMG, uh, which had a ton of talent. And he went head-to-head -head with Shea Patterson, who, you know, obviously didn't live up to the hype either. But when I saw him in practice at the Under Armour week, he was very, very good in the game. When pressure came, he had no idea what to do. And, and it really concerned me. So we didn't drop him. You know, we kept him as a high four-star. He can run, he can pass. We thought he'd be a kid that gets developed. I don't know what's happened. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's thrown in too soon, but he's not the solution. This is a horrible loss. Um, you know, I, I put out something today about, you know, were they better off with Butch Jones? Um, I don't think so. My, my answer was fiction to that. Um, you know, because I think Tennessee is playing harder. Uh, but Pruitt's clearly sending a message, you know, I mean, you're two and two in the SEC. You're two and two overall. You lose to Kentucky for the first time in forever, and you fire a coach. Um, he's not waiting like a lot of these guys do to have the athletic director come to him and say, "Listen, you got to make some changes." Uh, he's doing it himself. So I, I do like that. That being said, they're they're going to get waxed by Alabama, so they'll be two and three, and it'll get worse for Vol Nation as far as the Jeremy Pruitt love fest that has been going on didn't they win nine straight games before this all fell apart uh, or eight eight i think yeah they yeah. were on it they finished yeah. i mean they went on that run last year and even during those wins garantano was getting yanked in and out remember uh brian mauer was starting games and i think garantano was coming off the bench as like a reliever but there are certain jobs in college football that you cannot be successful at as a head coach. Tennessee is one of those. And I'll tell you why. Unless you win a national championship, unless you do what Philip Fulmer did and have your team as a juggernaut in the SEC, you're a failure. 
I mean, this is a guy who's taken over a pretty horrible program, a bunch of kids that didn't want to play. He's recruited okay, but he's got them to play hard. He's improved in a lot, a lot of aspects, except for the quarterback situation. It's a fifth-year kid he threw out there who just looks like a freshman. But, you know, eight straight wins for Tennessee fans, and then he loses two, and, and it's over. He's, he's awful. we got to get rid of him. He's, you know, it's just Tennessee has that ex, the expectation that, that, that remains from Philip Homer. Nebraska has that expectation that remains from, from the late 1990s. Miami has that expectation of the U when they were dominating. I don't think anything is good enough except for SEC titles and, and national championships, and that could wear you down as a coach. Um, it could hurt you on the recruiting trail as well. So I think Pruitt's got him going in the right direction, but it's not enough for the fans. Uh, all right, uh, moving on. The SEC as a whole, it was a rough. It was a rough weekend at the quarterback position outside of Mac Jones. Uh, we talked about Stetson Bennett. We just talked about Garantano. Matt Corral threw six interceptions. Bo Nix looks like he's getting worse every game. Uh, KJ Costello definitely not what we thought after Week One. What's going on down there in the SEC with the QBs? I don't know, man. I mean, it's just awful. I mean, you know, I, I put up something on Twitter, like, which quarterback, and I can only have four pictures, you know, which, which SEC quarterback sucked the most. And Twitter allows you only four pictures. And I, I wanted to fit, like, six or seven in there. Um, it's just bad. I mean, when you throw pick sixes like Garantano did, we throw six picks. And Matt Corral looked great against Alabama. And then he throws out a, you know, a game like this. And, and KJ Costello looked great against LSU. And now he's been awful. Um, the quarterback play in the SEC, Bo Nix, you know, talented kid. Looks horrible. Uh, it's just, they're not getting developed. Um, I'm not really sure who to blame. You know, obviously Garantano has been through a couple coaching changes and, you know, uh, coordinator wise and offensive scheme wise, but Bo Nix has been with, Gus, this is his second year and should be getting better. And he's not, he's regression. And, and Gus, his offense is so high school. Um, it's just, it's, it's frustrating to watch if you're an Auburn fan. Uh, Old Miss, Lane Kiffin's an offensive genius, except when his quarterback's throwing the ball to the other team all the time. Really bad week, you know, so it makes you appreciate a little bit more the Kyle Trasks of the world. And the, of course, Mac Jones of the world. And of course, the Kellen Mons of the world. You know, Mond isn't great, but I mean, he didn't make mistakes. And I, and I guess if you're going to win in the SEC, you got to be mistake free. And, and that's just not the case. So Bennett was awful too. Just SEC quarterback play has been bad and, uh, and it seems to be getting worse. So I think that's going to be the real difference maker. You know, when it comes down to the playoff and the national championship, you're going to have Trevor Lawrence. You're probably going to have Justin Fields. You're going to have Mac Jones. And then you're going to have some team that doesn't have a good quarterback. And, 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 you know, I picked, all, I picked Alabama to win it all at the beginning of this year. Uh, I kind of want to change that. Um, and I don't know. I change stuff all the time, so I might as well. Clemson, they don't have the weapons that they're used to, right? Ross is out. But these guys are starting to mature and grow. Ladson, Nada, Rogers is back healthy. They've got enough to just blow out any football team. So Clemson is probably the team to beat. 
Um, let's talk about Gus Malzahn. You mentioned we're here again, you know, okay, is he on the hot seat, blah, blah, blah. He's got a somehow a few years ago he was going to get fired and they had a good season and now he has a $20 million buyout. Like, yeah. I don't I don't understand these coaches get, or these ADs giving extensions. Where was he going? What what They always say, oh, it's for recruiting. Recruits have no idea what any coach's contract status is. They have no clue. They don't consider it in any way, shape, or form. So what do you think? Is this the year that it finally happens? Because, I mean, you mentioned the, the change at OC. It just seems like they're headed for a, you know, six and four type of season in the SEC to me, maybe at best. I think the buyout could save them. Um, you know, it's again, we're, we're in a, we're in a pandemic where athletic budgets are down and, you know, eating $20 million or whatever it is, is not easy to do. And I don't understand why these, these guarantees are in these contracts. I mean, agents are 80 times smarter than, than university presidents and athletic directors, like 80 times, because, you know, when you get a, a Willie Taggart to go one season in Oregon and then get that guaranteed money from Florida State, like, who was going to, who's going to steal him away? Were you that worried he was going to stay at Oregon? Right. You, know, you could have gone after Stoops, but then you would have offered him $20 million, Mark Stoops, you know, guaranteed. Like, why... And some of these coaches are in their first opportunity and they still get these ridiculous contracts with all the guarantees. So until they figure out how to stop doing that, you know, these guys are going to be given chance after chance. Uh, I think Malzone is on the hot seat for sure. I think he survives, um, you know, just because of, of the athletic department and, and, and the, the financial strain that's been put on all these colleges. But, you know, I mean, look at what Jimbo's getting. At well, he got a fully guaranteed deal, but I mean, even so, he's three years in now, so that that, that obviously has come way down uh, from from where it's at. But yeah, he's he's not going anywhere anytime soon. But was it really that important to get him from Florida State? I mean, what has he done? They're they're number eleven in the country, or probably top 10, well, 10 now, like eight. I think you can argue that, but at least he's a national championship winning coach. He's not. I mean, I guess Gus is also. Oh, Gus didn't win. He was the OC when they won. Well, he kind of won. I mean, he was considered the right the, the, the coach, which Chiswick wasn't really the guy. But, but I mean, even then, that's great. That's great. But it's not worth the whatever you know Jimbo's contract is. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So now they're stuck with Jimbo, and Jimbo is doing a good job. I mean, you know, okay. I mean, they got they got thumped by Alabama. They beat a, a Florida team, which I think is pretty good, but has a bad defense. They beat Mississippi State, who now we know stinks. He's three and one. They're a top ten team in a weird year, but are they going to ever win the SEC? No. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Um, all right, let's move on to Florida State and your North Carolina Tar Heels. A week out, a week after I said that North Carolina was average, they go and play average and lose. Uh, and what's funny is. I said that on here, but then of course I picked them to win by like 17, whatever, 13 and a half. I was like, oh, they'll cover that. No problem. As well, they should have. I mean, this was ridiculous. This was just horrible defense. The defense is so bad. And and they were trying to fix that up. You know, the, the defense has shown, you know, that it's not a deep group, not a super talented group for the first few games. 
but they were really exposed because you know when this Florida State team with a, with essentially a wide receiver playing quarterback is you know putting up points on you and, and, and moving the ball and you have no answer for it and I know there was a defensive touchdown in there which always you know helps the offense they just looked awful um, but I still thought they were going to win that game because you just saw it you know you saw Florida State was going to blow this game and they should have had it not been for a few drops and the one thing at the end of that game that really confused me was Mike Norvell, who I like as a coach, and I'm, I'm glad he got his first win, you know, important win there at Florida State, and, you know, people can get off his back a little bit. He took that time out. Oh. Bo Corrales, who I call the giraffe, who's eight feet tall, was on the sidelines winded, which allowed him to get back in the game. And then UNC, on a, on a key fourth down, doesn't throw to the six foot six guy who's catching everything and no one can cover. Why? Like just lob it up to him. He had four catches, 141 yards and a touchdown. They had no answer for him whatsoever. They had five foot 10 guys on him and, and they go to someone else. I forget who it was who dropped the pass and they do have good receivers, you know, guys and those guys. Dude's the giraffe, man. That was bad coaching. Yeah. They, they were chasing points too on the comeback. I mean, they, they went for it on fourth down on one drive and didn't get it. They they did the two point conversions. I mean, they left they left essentially seven to ten points on the field during that comeback. Uh, but for Flo- from Florida State's perspective, no matter how they did it, they won. I mean, I we were texting during the game and we were just waiting for the collapse. So I mean, what is what does that say about at least Norvell? It seems like they've got the ball at least rolling here a little bit to where they're starting to move in the right direction, don't you think? Yeah, they got some leaders on that team, too, and I like that. And they're starting to buy in. So usually it's all about a program that's losing, has to learn how to win. And so I thought this would be another example of a team like Florida State getting out to a big lead, then playing conservatively, which I didn't think they should have, and and then just trying to hang on and, and lose. They didn't. They won. Marvin Wilson with a big pressure. Asante Samuel is playing well. Um. That's big. That's huge. Because had they lost this game, it would have been so demoralizing that they would have just dropped, you know, back down to the Florida State team we see get drubbed by everybody. Um, This is a step forward. This is more belief in Norvell now. Um, And this team will become a little bit more unified. Uh, They're still a couple years away from competing for anything. um, Because there's so many holes in the roster, especially at the quarterback position, because Willie didn't recruit a quarterback for two years. Um, but it's a good sign. You know, I mean, it certainly is a good sign. And listen, a good Florida State team is good for the ACC. It's good for college football. You know, a, a horrible Florida State team, as we've seen the last few years, it's no fun. It's not fun for us. It's like Miami. I mean, people think I hate Miami. No, you just haven't been good forever. And I kind of, you know, cut my teeth. Is that the expression? Yeah. on college football when you guys were the most dominant program in the history and wearing camouflage and showing up and kicking everybody's ass and you're just not now and it was a good one against Pitt this weekend they're 4-1, 3-1 in the ACC they're still not a threat as we saw against Clemson but we need the Florida States and Miamis to be good because you know the, the sleeper teams are fun and they're nice you know it's, it's, it's cute to have BYU in the top 10 or wherever they are but nobody cares about that stuff. We need the power programs to be good. So I think it's really good for Florida State. 
All right. Speaking of teams that uh, we need to be good, or at least it's good for college football, the number three team in the country, which I can almost laugh even saying Notre Dame, what's going on? I mean, they, we, we see their weapons, uh, the rookies in the NFL making plays, Cole Komet and uh, Chase Claypool, but their offense, I mean, they, they're basically running an offense from when you first started watching football, whenever that was, or the single winger or whatever. <laughs> just milking. Started with the single wing. Yep. They're, they're playing, they played Louisville, which is, you know, by all accounts, one of the worst defenses in all of college football. And they won 18 to 12, I think was the final score. I mean, they can't, this is not sustainable, is it? I mean, I, I, I would be worried about Pitt this weekend. No, it, it's not sustainable. I mean, you know, Pitt, Obviously didn't have picket and that hurt. Um, they had Joe Yellen, who's not good. Uh, they had my guy Davis Bevel in there. He kept yeah. him in the game. Well, I remember Yellen was one of the 15 quarterbacks that uh, Herm Edwards took in a class a couple of years ago. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I ranked <laughs> Bevel as a four-star back in a couple of years ago. So, uh, so and- you know, Pitt has a good team, but they were missing Camp and Pickett and some other guys, and they've got a really good defense. So, yeah, they're dangerous for sure. Um, Notre Dame just looks like they don't, if they, if they're not going to run the ball, and this is what I said at the beginning of the season, if they have to come back in a football game, they get down two scores, they're dead. They have no opportunity or chance to do anything. They've got a solid offensive line. They've got, you know, Kyron Williams at running back and Tyree's a good change of pace guy and they can run the football. They don't have weapons outside as far as receivers. They don't have that, that dominant tight end that we're used to seeing that can bail out the quarterback. Ian Book is a very, very average quarterback and not getting any better. And the defense is solid, but not great. Um, they're, they're athletically solid, um, fundamentally solid, but they're not fast. Uh, so I really worry about this Notre Dame team. I mean, they're 4-0. They're number four in the country. They're going to get waxed by Clemson for sure. Um, they could lose this week to Pitt. And I got a little single wing story for you here too. So mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, who will be a Hall of Famer, who was a top three pick in the NFL draft and obviously played at Boston College, where I cut my teeth on Boston College yeah. back in the Flutie days. Freaking ran a, a <laughs> he ran a single wing and a wing T in high school. So I'm evaluating this film and, and he's running all over the place. I'm like, what the hell? We made him a three star. And he turned out to be a great player, obviously. And, you know, Falcons suck. And you probably get in the Hall of Fame with the stats. He should have won a Super Bowl. But I just don't understand sometimes the offensive strategy for these coaches. I don't understand Gus at Auburn. Um, I get Notre Dame. They have limitations. But that offensive game plan wasn't very good to me. Um, It just – I scratch my head sometimes when I see plays being called – um, that are just just awful and have no chance of going anywhere. Um, so they might as well play, you know, uh, triple option or something in Notre Dame because they're just not able to pass the ball. Maybe they go with the old uh, Georgia Tech offense and throw was... an A, B, and C back back there and let Ian Book be the guy who distributes. The score was 12 to 7. I said it was 18 to 12. I gave him way too much credit. <laughs> it was I flipped around, you know, I, didn't, I, didn't, I haven't had a chance to watch the full game yet because it's atrocious football. It's just awful. Do you know who their leading receiver is, if you had to guess? Oh, gosh. Uh, no. It's, it's, uh, it's an old, 
old reminder, deep cut, Javon McKinley. Class of, <laughs> you still class of, football? Class of 2016. Yeah, seven catches for 121 yards. Um, and then That's it goes, cool. uh, the running back, Kyron Williams, which <laughs> Dave Lackford texted me during the game and said, Notre Dame's running back is named Karen. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> his name isn't Karen. Come on, Dave. That's uh, not Karen. And they got a they got a guy who was their leading receiver against Louisville named Ben Squarnack. Have you ever heard of Ben Squarnack? I have not. I assume he's a tight end. Let me look him. <laughs> no, he's a wide receiver from Indiana. Did we have well, you stars know what? on him? I think he transferred from uh he might have transferred from Northwestern. This this will test our not my football knowledge here. Uh, <sighs> If a 2016 wide receiver, Northwestern, yes, five six three star from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So. I'm like, who the heck is that? Yeah, boy, we got a lot, we got video interviews with them and everything. Don't you? <laughs> well, listen, I thought Kevin Austin was going to be like a really great slot receiver for them, and we saw him in many camps. And he was a talented kid. You know, Tyree, I thought they'd utilize out of the backfield a lot more as a passer. This offense stinks. It's just horrible, and they're not going to beat Clemson. They're going to lose to Clemson probably by 40 points. Yeah, I would set the line at at least three touchdowns. Um, I know they'll try to shorten the game, but, I mean, geez. All right, moving on. Louisville is the biggest disappointment in the history of uh, 2020. Uh, To you. Throw away COVID COVID and all the other bad things that have happened. Louisville is horrible. Malik Cunningham's awful. Tutu Atwell, where are you? Damian Hawkins. What are you doing? You guys are horrible. One and four, zero oh and four in the ACC. This is an embarrassment. I didn't. Th- I didn't think they were going to be very good, and and I don't have a whole this. lot. I don't have a whole lot of faith in their recruiting class. I mean, have you looked at their recruiting class? I like this twenty twenty one recruiting class. I think there's some players there, but they were pretty good last year. You know, solid. Yeah. Some trouble. You notice, I'm just saying, a lot of these players are the guys that were recruited by failure Bobby Petrino, everyone like to make fun of. But, I mean, this is this is what happens. Sometimes people are so happy to – and Petrino was a disaster at the end, but you can't say he didn't bring in talent. The talent just quit on him. And now you wow. got you got the new coach bump, and then all of a sudden it's back to reality. So he was st- He's still recovering from that motorcycle accident. Okay. <laughs> all right. The Big Ten starts this weekend. Sort of a fun to have the staggered start to the season. I like it. Ro- I like it rolling out. Uh, but uh, let's let's talk about it. The, the I guess the biggest game is Michigan Minnesota. We all expect we, we expect Ohio State to run the table, win the conference, though, right? Uh, yeah, and and it, this is what the conference did to Nebraska, right? Because the conference is just the entire leadership of that conference is moronic and awful just awful you know oh let's cancel football because we're the big 10 and we're so prestigious everybody's going to follow us because we're like the ivy league of power five and pac 12 is like yeah and then everybody else says no you guys are idiots so all right let's roll it back we're going to play but i don't like this loudmouth nebraska team and scott frost he's he's been mouthing off a little bit so we know what we're going to do we're going to put them against ohio state in the first game of the season that'll teach them and it's going to because Ohio State's probably going to roll them by 50. But it's really not fair. Um, I do like the Minnesota matchup against uh, Michigan. 
I, I think Minnesota's going to win that football game. I think the loss of Nico Collins is going to hurt. And we don't know the quarterback situation there. We do know it's Joe Milton, who you have an interesting camp story about. Um, yeah, we know Joe Milton, ready? This is what we know of Joe, Joe Milton when we saw him in person. He's either going to throw it right on the mark, hit you in stride, or he's going to throw it 30 yards over your head. Right. He has insane, like, arm strength and arm talent in terms of, like, if we're having a contest who could throw the ball the hardest or the farthest, he's right there. The, the issue is the inconsistency. And, I mean, if you go and look at it, one of the things that gave us a lot of pause with him when we were ranking him, because if you remember, we were kind of all over the place with his ranking, uh, yeah, was was the inconsistency. I mean, even his high school stats, I don't remember being – I think we expected him to have a good year, and it was something he had like 11 touchdowns or something. Like, I'm going to look yeah, him like up right now. Or something. It was a bad year. Um, Arm talent, though. He's the Felipe Franks of the Big Ten. And can we at least, just before we move on, give some props to Sam Pittman? And Barry Odom. How did we? We were talking about the big. We we're previewing the Big Ten. I know, but I gotta go back. I know it screws up your video editing. Yes. War pig, war, who pig suey? Go hogs, man! This is exciting. That's a fan base that's just insane. You know how crazy they are. I just uh, don't know because they haven't been winning, but they're nuts. I love it. Okay. We want to hear how Joe Milton had 10 touchdowns and six interceptions as a senior. And what did he do to you? Uh, so, so we had a, you were there. We had the camp in Orlando. Remember? Yeah. No, I didn't see him do anything specifically to you. You and officer Friedman came down for a patrol uh, to keep <laughs> me and Rob in line, make sure we were evaluating the prospects properly. And uh we didn't give him the MVP. I think we might have, or invite him to the five-star challenge. I think we might have picked Matt. Was that the Mac year? I'm trying to remember if they were in the same class. Anyway. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, no, it was Joey Gatewood. And uh, he was so mad that, you know, I went to talk to him afterwards and, and be like, hey, you know, we're not inviting everybody right now, blah, 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 you know, the spiel we give. And, uh he basically told me where I could shove it. <laughs> you gotta like that, though. Right, and and then he, uh, he you know, he told told me where I could shove it. Told me, you know, what I could do or whatever. And then we did end up inviting him. He told us no. Do you remember? Yes, absolutely. Because this is the thing, you know. You invite your eight quarterbacks through the camp series for the five star challenge, and then somebody's got like a piano lesson or some excuse not to come. Um, and then you have to go back and see who the next best quarterbacks are that were at the camps. And Joe Milton was right on the cusp. And then we asked him and he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. He had no interest in, uh, he had definitely, <laughs> he had no interest in coming. He didn't care. I'm trying to go back and find the article from the camp to see where we kind of, where he, uh, fit in, uh, in the equation with quarterbacks. But I mean, that was the, that was a loaded class. That was Trevor Lawrence's class. That was the Justin Fields class. Yeah. And so it's probably good that he didn't come because we played that in the uh, Indianapolis Colts practice dome and he would have taken out a few lights and we would have had to pay for those because can you imagine him in seven on seven play in that <laughs> confined space where Trevor and Justin are throwing dimes 
Matt Corral is just completely half awake, throwing the ball to the wrong people. And then there's Joe Milton just, I mean, decapitating people or hitting porta potties. I mean, that would have been, that would have been a nightmare anyway. So we're glad Joe said no. We wish him well at Michigan. I just don't think he's consistent enough, you know, to, to be the guy there. And, and, you know, they don't really have a whole lot behind them. It's, and it's, it's hard to say how much he's changed though from we haven't seen him in three years, probably. Well, we're just guessing. Right. Um, Yeah. The other two quarterbacks at that event were Joey Gatewood, of course, who's now at Kentucky and Michael Penix, who's the starter at uh, Indiana. Who, we, who has been really good, yeah. just a couple of knee injuries. Well, we had, we had more there too, right? I mean, right, maybe... but Penix won the MVP. Um, Penix won the MVP and Gatewood, uh, I think, got invited to the five-star challenge eventually. I guess oh, you're we... talking about that camp in Florida. Yeah, I think of the five-star challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, That's just... a good group. And, you know, to this day, the five-star challenge that, that fields one – with that pass to Amon Ross St. Brown on the last play of the seven on seven. And we gave Trevor Lawrence the MVP. Justin's father still hates me to this day. Um, and probably has blocked me. I'm not sure. I'll have to check, but Justin certainly doesn't follow me anymore. And uh, that was, a, that was a interesting, cause you remember I had to, I had to stand up and give the awards out. It was like midnight and we had like, it was like a 13 hour day and we were writing all our articles and I go up there with my typical enthusiasm and I'm like quarterback MVP Trevor Lawrence and I'm like I'm getting in this picture because this is Trevor Lawrence he's going to be the next Tom Brady uh and then Justin Fields is pissed <laughs> he's not happy at all yeah well I brought that up with him when uh I've seen Justin Fields like somehow like five times in the last like eight, eight to ten months um and he he actually mentioned that last time I saw him. He's like, man, I didn't get that. He was he wasn't mad about his ranking. He was mad about not winning that award. Um, and then I saw him at Elite Eleven, and we talked there. So he he still likes me. I, I you know he re, he remembers me, but uh, sorry, he's out on he's he's out on you. Um, he likes me because I I just don't care. Like I like talking to kids and all that, but I don't care. I don't care, Kyler Murray, that your feelings were hurt, that you were a four-star. You're five-nine. What do you want from me? The NFL starting to figure you out. Well, we did. We did miss on that. We took the L on that one, though. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Dwayne Haskins, that you weren't, you know, higher than 100 in the country. But you know, you're a millionaire. I'm a loser (laughs) sitting in my office (laughs) talking into a webcam to Woody Womack, surrounded by football helmets. I'm an absolute loser. And, and you guys are millionaires, so get over it, you know? Sorry. That's a good clip. I'm definitely saving that one. We'll put that one on your TikTok. Um, Can you? I need TikTok followers. I got like six. I don't know what to do on TikTok. Should I dance? No, you shouldn't dance. We'll, we'll talk about it later. All right. Uh, Mike's Heisman watch. This one is an easy one. Uh, it's yeah. Trevor Lawrence against Mac Jones. Did you watch the? Did you watch Trevor, some of the throws he made in that Georgia Tech? Yeah. Yeah, they're sick. They, they are sick. Because I, I do a lot of scouts too, right? Because um, we do some draft stuff. And, you know, a lot of the guys who are in player personnel in college go on to become NFL scouts or some former players do. So there's a lot of kids that I, I knew in high school that I ranked in high school and, and a lot of uh, personnel guys, you know, recruiting assistants that are in the scouting world. 
so I talked to them all the time and the throws Trevor made, you know, uh, especially that one in the left corner of the end zone, they were just like, this guy doesn't need college. He should just be starting for an NFL team right now. He, he's got everything. There's, there's no weakness that they can really find. Um, he's tough. He takes hits. He gets angry. You know, he threw that pick and he was like, you knew, uh-oh, <laughs> he was not happy. So they love him and he's making all these NFL throws. He's my number one. You know, Mac is, is my number two. Um, and then it's really everybody else. I mean, you know, Justin Fields obviously has to be number three. He hasn't played yet, but he's going to be up there for sure. Um, and then I really don't know. I mean, I would put Najee four or Etienne, you know, you got to throw a running back in there. Um, and then my, my guy Herbert at Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah. You're undefeated. That kid's good. That nice. kid's good. Khalil he was out of Florida and we had him at a two star. Yeah. Awful. Well, I'm not going to say Kansas. we did that, but awful. Kansas had some good running back evals with him and Puka, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Puka. Um, well, Puka. Uh, you know, but Kansas and Missouri and those, those, those areas produce, you know, some pretty good running backs. And I'm going to throw a couple of skill position guys in my Heisman thing just for fun. Okay. Kyler Pitts. He's, he's it. Yeah. He's got seven touchdowns, I think. Yeah. Tight ends never won it, but he's really a wide receiver. Um, and who's my other one? I already forgot. Harris Marshall. Harris he's got seven. Marshall Jr. <laughs> at LSU. Now LSU stinks. He's never got a chance, but man, is he putting up some numbers, huh? I mean, 21 catches, 424 yards, seven touchdowns, living up to that five-star, making us look smart. Terrace Marshall deserves a mention, but again, that team stinks so bad. that Right. A lot of these guys don't matter. All right. Uh, time for Mike versus Pro Football Focus. We forgot to do this one last week. Uh, now we're going to do it. And who's your pick, Mike? Do you want me to look up? I'm going to go with my new favorite running back, Isaiah Spiller, Texas a and Besides is, Khalil Herbert. He is kicking. Besides Khalil, I have a lot of favorite running backs. Isaiah Spiller, Texas a and is kicking butt. I think he has to be off the charts. Now I don't look at PFF at all. Um, I should, but I don't. So where is he? All right. Overall grade on the year, 76.4. Uh, grade as a running back, 79.7. The Alabama game hurting him. Um, he only had a 53 in that Alabama game. And pass blocking. Oh, his pass blocking is terrible. 24.7, including a, uh, a 14.5 against Mississippi State. Sometimes the, people don't factor this in when they think about young running backs sometimes just have an issue picking up their blocking assignments. And that's why a lot of them don't see the field early. Well, that's why they don't start early in the NFL oftentimes too. And, you know, blocking is a very it's a forgotten part when it comes to running backs, but the first time you miss a block and your, your franchise quarterback gets destroyed, that's, you're going to hit the bench. Fumbling and blocking will put you on the bench, uh, uh, you know, and, and Spiller, obviously his blocking grade is pretty low, but I love the way he runs. He's decisive. He can bounce off people. He's got some big games when they needed him. Um, you know, the Alabama game is the only one keeping them down there. But I thought he would be a little bit higher than 79. 
Yeah, 79 is not bad. Like I said, you, you look got up a, Herbert. Can you look at Herbert for me? Yeah, let's look at Herbert. The, the Alabama game, like I said, that kills you. Yeah. Uh, he Alabama's also, front four is horrible, so that surprises me a little bit that he didn't have a better game. I, I think know he, he didn't. He fumbled against uh, Florida too, so that's gonna. Uh, that's so gonna can't block any fumbles. Great. Yeah, but seventy six is still pretty good. I mean, I, I would imagine that's like top thirty. Khalil Herbert, oh baby, eighty eight point nine overall and a ninety one point eight as a runner. So I'm gonna tell you, you know, I watch obviously Boston College for many different reasons. This kid is a baller and he's getting no attention really nationally virginia tech's undefeated hooker got all three of those touchdowns but this kid dominated uh, and that's a bc team that, that can tackle run to the football he's awesome yeah he had a in the he played a few games with kansas last year before he transferred he had a 87.2 grade so i mean he's grading out and like that's like you know that's up there with the best of the best so uh there you go, Mike. Your scouting eye has been. Uh, yeah, we made him a two star out of high school and now he's on my Eisman list. <laughs> well, I'm sure you never saw the dude, right? No, of course not. Kansas? No, he's from Florida. He went to well, American I, Heritage. He went to Kansas and I didn't know. I didn't see him. But, but, you know, a certain person lives like probably five minutes away from his school <laughs> who should have seen him and should have seen this coming. So, but. At least a three star. Probably should have. I digress. Him. But again, I will tell you this, at least Rivals gives two stars, unlike anybody else. <laughs> so we'll take the flack, but, you know, listen, if you get everybody a three-star, you're never going to look really stupid. Um, okay, so that was a fun segment. Uh, forgotten five-star of the week. This one was tough for me, uh, just because I didn't watch a whole lot of the NFL. Uh, but a certain five-star quarterback made an appearance yesterday late in the game. Did you see... Blaine Gabbert. No. <laughs> Blaine Gabbert's still in the NFL? That's right. Blaine Gabbert came in after Tom Brady had built such a big lead. Oh, wow. I watched some of that game, too. Um, you know, I saw them talking smack to Aaron Rodgers at, at the half, and I thought, that's not a good idea. But Aaron looked horrible oh. throughout the game. But I didn't know. I thought Blake Gabbert, my gosh. Yeah, Blaine Gabbert still. Been in? Uh, let's take a look at his career. I was trying to look at his stats there, and the music started playing. I he think it was a 2007. Yeah, he was he was class of 08. Yeah. Um, and he was Five number star. 14 overall, number one pro style quarterback. Yeah. So he lived up to the hype. Yeah, he was a first round pick. You did your part, especially going to Missouri. Yep. Um. The rest of the family we've seen come through the pipe has not yet to. His brother went to UCF for a while, I remember. Um, They're starting some sort of uh, some sort of scouting thing. They want to partner with us too. But he's got cousins. I think his cousin is the quarterback of uh, Miami of Ohio. Or yep. you got a whole the whole family. There there was one out in Washington that I know we were getting asked about. He only somebody attempted. Somebody wanted me to invite the cousin to our five star challenge. I won't name names, but. Somebody wanted a Gabbard there, so I yeah, he no. he only attempted one pass and he didn't complete it. So he is in year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's in year nine. So that's um, that's impressive. I did not know he was still in the NFL. So good, I got you. That, you did get me because when you said five star quarterback, I'm like, okay, um, you know, we all know Cam Newton. 
is starting for the Patriots. We know Kyle Allen's starting for the Redskins. Stafford is starting for the line. Who the hell else is there out there? <laughs> so I'm two and one on the on the year. I've, I, I stumped yeah, you. Tyron Johnson, you didn't get me, but because he used to follow me though, like Blaine Gabbert never followed me. This was pre Twitter, <laughs> so he can he can whatever. It all, it all goes back. It all goes back to Twitter. Well, Blaine, he, he actually, you know, he, he had a decent time in San Francisco there, where he kind of resurrected things. I think under it might have been the Chip Kelly season, where he had ten touchdowns and seven interceptions in 2015, and then he kind of uh, meandered around. He actually played for Arizona in 2017, I think. Uh, Do you want to know why he got resurrected in San Francisco? No, no, no. Why? Ryan Day. Ah, okay. Yeah, that was a Ryan Day time, and then he was on the Titans last year, which I don't even. Oh no, he last year. Last year he didn't play for anybody. I'm sorry, he was on the Titans in 2018. Uh, he might he might have been out of the league last year, and then he uh, is on Tampa this year. So that's why he was. I, out I, speaking of the Titans, I still don't think Derrick Henry's fast enough to be a five star. <laughs> yeah. You see that 94 yard run? Yeah, I saw it. Nobody could tackle him. I mean, I'm with my buddy who has him on his fantasy team, right? And so Derrick Henry breaks out and I'm like, he's gone. He's like, no, no way. And he gets faster after 30 yards. He's just unfreaking believable. You and then I look back at his Yuli stats and then I look back at his army performance and I'm like, wow, you want to talk about Every sign being there for a kid to be a five-star, we blew it. I went and watched him play. Uh, and the, put up 230 yards, right? Yeah, but I still wasn't sold on him. I was like, nah, you know. And if you remember, he remember he came to Atlanta and played against like Buford or somebody and had like his worst game of his career. And a lot of people were saying he was overrated. You had you had people saying he couldn't. If you remember, it was it was he can't catch. Number one, so he can't right. move to tight end or another position. Right. He's not going to catch the ball in the backfield. He doesn't like to tackle people, so he can't move to defense. And he's too slow. He's too big and slow. Now, guess what? We all were wrong. Everybody was wrong. A lot of coaches were wrong. Um, yeah, I got another five star one for you. Ready? This kid okay. was a five star. I'm going to do. I'm going to send this to you. This kid was a five star. Lost his fifth star late because I got outvoted. Ended up as he was recruited as a tight end, ended up playing quarterback in, in college, and he's still in the league. And now he's one of the best tight ends in, in the NFL. Oh, uh, he, I saw him score a touch. He scored a touchdown yesterday. He was playing quarterback, uh, Trey Burton. No, 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 not Trey. Trey was before. Oh. Who? Logan. Thomas oh, Logan Thomas. Still in the freaking NFL. Can you believe that? Well, I knew that. He's on the Cardinals, right? No, he plays for that team in Washington. Oh, man, I'm way off then. Um, well, my buddy was saying, why don't you pick up Logan Thomas at tight end? Because I had an injury. And I'm like, what? He, he was with the Cardinals as a quarterback the last I checked, like 100 years ago. Now he's one of the best tight ends in the, in, 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 in the, in the league. Well, I, knew, I knew he was playing tight end. I just, I mean, I sort of ignored Damn, Trey, Trey Burton was only a 5.7? Trey Burton, if you're, if you're watching this, Trey, which you're not, I loved you in that class because you were the most vocal recruit in that Florida class and you were just fun to interview and all that stuff. But man, did you screw me? Because I have Jonathan Taylor and they did the direct snap to Trey and 
he had to read to pitch or keep it, and he kept it for a touchdown, and Jonathan Taylor did not score. So Trey Burton, uh, whatever. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get drafted either, man. Jeez. Uh, but he was. On. You're right. He was a quarterback, and he converted to tight end. So that was a good guess. He was never a five star. He was always a four. But Logan Thomas was a five star. He went to Army Bowl way back when. Somebody who used to work for us said, uh, "That's not a five star tight end," and he was playing wide receiver, so he didn't look great. I thought he was a five-star. Now, he ended up being a very average quarterback for Virginia Tech, a very average quarterback in the NFL, but he's still kicking along. Those guys like Terrell Pryor and Logan Thomas, man, they're so athletic, they're going to find a way, I guess. So I was surprised he was still in the league, though. So I gave him a little follow on Twitter during the game, expecting him to go over the bench and see that and and follow me back, but he hasn't yet. Yeah, well, we'll keep <laughs> The amount of times you bring up who, who follows you and who doesn't, you know, across my whole life. Multiple podcasts. Uh, it's my life, bro. We'll, I have no life. We'll stay locked in for the updates. All right. I went on the road this week. Man, I drove like 900 miles in two days. I should have done some videos or something. So <laughs> could get some credit for it. But uh, I went and saw Arch Manning, the of the Manning family. Now, I would say that, you know, most people would agree I'm kind of like the resident hater of most players and people and teams and things, uh, basically anything you could imagine. So I went down there to see him for myself. I was on TV. You watched it. So what do you think? Expecting to hate him, right? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So are you, are you sold on him? What do you think? Not yet. He's young. Uh, he pushes the ball. His releases a little bit. Well, uh, so you're looking at that one. The video you tweeted was from like before he played a game last year, that was like an eighth grader throw. No, 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 I've seen, I've seen, I've watched the game too. He still has a little bit of a push delivery. It's still here and here. He's still got to, you know, develop that a little bit better. When he does come over the top more consistently, he's very accurate. I'm not ready to say he's the next Peyton, you know, or Eli or whatever. I think he's a very, very talented kid. He's a 2023, 20, so he's got tons of time, you know, but all this hype around him, we just got to, we got to, we got, well, I say this, you know, I put up an Arch Manning video on my Instagram today and I was like, Arch Manning is the greatest stage the next Eli, you know, I hype him up, but I'm pumping the brakes a little bit and just going to say he's good, but there's still some things he has to work on. Well, I think he's a five-star. I would make him an initial five-star. I'm going to say it. So the, the, I think the people who watch the game on TV almost got worse because I, I, I heard that it was just nonstop on TV. And I think that sort of framed the reference for a lot of people, but uh, you know, I don't care what family he's from. I do believe in the nepotism bump, which I've pushed several times. Um, but to me, I've, I've seen some other 2023 quarterbacks that some people are, are definitely going to, rank as four stars to start and if you know I, i'm i'm comfortable i'd be comfortable with him being one of the initial five stars which we're still a few months away from that but yeah what do we do that in february yeah it just depends yeah probably february but i mean he probably will be i'm not saying to hate on the kid i'm just saying he's not perfect but the last big name to come out of there that should have been a five star and wasn't odell Beck. Yeah, Odell Beckham. 
And I'll tell you why. He was 165 pounds in high school. Literally 165 pounds. Really good. Almost better as a defensive back than he was as a wide receiver. Great ball skills. 165 pounds. Skinny as can be. But he's turned out to be pretty good, right? Yeah, we have a video of him talking about whether he's going to play wide receiver or DB. And, you know, uh, yeah, he's worked out okay. Uh, but all right, before we wrap up, one last recruiting thing. Uh, Rivals 100 athlete, I guess, defensive back, Jaquincy McKinstry. It rhymes. My favorite uh, name of the year. They, they call him Kool-Aid. He's going to decide – he, it was assumed he was going to Auburn for months and months and months. Now it seems like he's, he might be going to Alabama. Uh, what do you think about him? What do you, how do you see it uh, turning out when he announces on Sunday? Well, I'm going to tell you, um, you know, nobody really knew what he was going to yeah. do. So the people saying Auburn was kind of, they're just kind of guessing because Cooley's kind of a quiet kid. You won't get a lot out of him. Um, but it is Bama. It's going to be Bama. It's 99% Bama now. Um, I don't know if Auburn ever led this. If they did, it's a big loss because he's a, he's a talented kid, talented kid, um, really good cornerback. And, um, you know, Nick Saban, when he wants those defensive backs, man, he gets them. So I, I got Alabama for him. You see, when you, when you do your Southern accent, you're not saying you're saying, you're not, you gotta go Auburn. You know, you gotta say it. I more. can't, I can't get there. Auburn. I can't get that. I don't think my mouth makes that shape. <laughs> Being from the Northeast, I can't. Auburn. Yes. No, he likes he likes Auburn a lot. Auburn. Or, Did you a, like that though? That you know what I'm doing. Yeah, so that's an okay impression. The kids. It's my favorite one though. It's the only one I do. The kids down here also say Auburn as a. I like Auburn. I could do a Gorney impression because what Gorney does is he repeats the last three words of what you say, all the time. You ever notice that? Uh, not really. I I so say like Kool-Aid Kool-Aid and McKinstry is going to go to Auburn. And Gorney will say, then I go to Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Okay. Be on, be, on, be on a lookout for that one. Um, yeah, I think it, it seems like, uh, I guess it seems like Alabama has made a move, but, it, you know, I think this is a big loss for Auburn if they don't get him because whether, whether or not they, I mean, they were the perceived leader for a long stretch here. Did you notice my sneaky little weekend future cast? Jeremy oh. Williams to Florida. Oh, you think they're going to lose him now too? This Auburn class is going to—it's crumbling as we speak, and the fans are going to get very, very upset. So Williams was a big Auburn lead; he could still go to Auburn. Um, but I heard that, that that the Gators have made his mom comfortable with going away from home, and that uh, he could be heading to the Gators. So that's two kids you locked into Auburn's class that are going to go elsewhere, and. The, the Gus bus is it's going to be worse and worse on, on our message boards. <laughs> um, all right. Before we wrap up, anything, you got anything to complain about? Uh, yeah, I got to pee. <laughs> I should have done what you did. Gone before. Of course, I've had two full coffees. Um, complain about. Complain about, recommend any TV shows you're watching before we. I'm watching Ozark now. Have you watched it? No, you know, I always see that they film that right around here, here uh, all the time. I see the signs, but I, I have yet to watch. People love it, though. It's good. It's solid, except, you know, it's a little bit far-fetched because, he, you know, he's got he's a money launderer and he's got the cartel on him. Then he's got a local 
bad guy on him, and now he's making deals with the Kansas City mob. So I'm in season two. It's a little bit ridiculous. Um, I did watch a really uplifting uh, documentary last week called Chernobyl. Um, have you heard of it? Wait, did you watch the documentary or did you watch the HBO show? The HBO show. It's, it's a remake, so it's not a documentary, but it's the HBO show. Have you seen it? <laughs> I didn't watch it. It was too, it was too like... So good. Well, did you get to the part with the dog or whatever? I didn't like that at all. Oh, you're a dog lover. I am a dog lover. I hated that. That was episode four. I suggest you skip that one. But one in five, amazing. Um, nuclear power is scary, kids. And uh, those Russians, man, they just do not like to admit they're wrong ever. So that was a good one, too. And uh, uh, the social, what's it called? The social what? The social dilemma. I watched that. I thought it was overrated a little bit. Facebook is not programming how I think. It's not working. Oh, Twitter is doing it. Twitter's doing that for you. <laughs> Twitter definitely does. But no, that's it. I, I got to pee. Um, it's been a good cast. Watch it. You tell, you do the blurbs. Yeah, I don't have, I, I was going to, I don't really have any recommendations or rants. I should have some because I've been on the road traveling, but uh, yeah, well, I can do it another time. Um, I did have, so I was wearing my mask at the gym today and someone told me I should take it off. It's not good for me. Um, but I told them, you know, sorry. I had a fight with Rex Chapman on Twitter. Did you see that? Yeah, boy, I saw that. One of your hero, one of your Twitter heroes, too. I know, but come on. Like Nick wanna... sending the wrong message by coaching. Okay. You could say, listen, all of your uh all of your anti-vaccine and mask stuff, save that for Twitter. We're not putting that on the podcast. I know. It's it's I don't care. I just think it's so stupid to say that. It's a false positive. <laughs> Dr. Farrell. I, I Dr. Farrell. Too. I liked him as a basketball player. I thought he had one of the best dunks I've ever seen in the dunk contest, but my goodness, he's losing his mind. Remember that shot he made? Uh, for Phoenix in the playoffs where he did like, where he was like falling out of bounds. It was like a buzzer beater to win. It was like two big shots and it was a three falling out of bounds. Remember that? Yep. Do you remember that when he was with the Hornets, when he was in the dunk contest, he went between his legs, like around his back. It was one of the best dunks I've ever seen and nobody cared. Yeah. Well, so good. He's, I, he's a freak athlete, but it, listen, he's, he's not thinking straight. <laughs> All right. Uh, please leave us a review on iTunes, either on the Godfather and Gorney feed or the Commitment Issues feed. It helps us move up in the rankings. Uh, be sure to check out the Rivals YouTube channel where you can watch us uh, talk. And you could also, you could just listen there if you want. Uh, we make more money that way. So we prefer you watch it on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Rivals Features. Uh, so check that out. Follow Mike on Twitter at Rivals Mike. I'm at Rivals Woody. And uh, let us know anything you want us to talk about. We will be back with another episode next week. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks.